Well, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, where we look at um, the passage from this weekend and seek to dive deeper, ask different questions that we didn't get a chance to uh, cover uh, during the, the weekend's sermon. Uh, my name is Brad. I serve our online ministries, joined today by Pastors Dan and Pastors Chris. Yeah, how you guys doing? You liking this Galatians thing so far? Dude, I love Galatians. It's like, Galatians to me is a great song. It's it's got a lot of backstory to it, which is where we're at right now. Yeah, but it builds to this really amazing crescendo. Um, and so, I don't know. I appreciate that it's not a story without. It's not teaching without context, and that Galatians, Paul in Galatians, takes a lot of time to give the context to the truth that he's mm-hmm. drops along the way. But really, in the end, just dumps. You know, like yeah. Free. If Galatians is a song. What genre of music is it? Oh, not genre. It's like Freebird. Okay. It's like this slow walk. Yes. Like it's just <laughs> that's fixed so good. on this character. And the themes are all present, yeah. but in very different yeah. ways. Um, and it, it takes... That quick. It was quick. Yeah. There you go. You, you brought <laughs> Pastors Dan and Chris. That's I'm true. That's true. But it, it like, it's also something that it takes some exercise to slow down and hear. Like you, as short of a book as it is, I think my... One thing I'm kind of more convinced of now is you really can't run through Galatians. You kind of have mm-hmm. to go walk through it. So, well, and it's interesting, right? And we'll we'll see this. So, one of the challenges of preaching through a single book of the Bible, especially a letter that Paul writes, is he isn't he's not necessarily circular in his arguments, but he's usually responding to you know one or two things, and he takes a while to build up to actually addressing that thing. Um, but then he answers other questions that they don't even rec- realize that they are that they have or they're wrestling with. And then when we go week to week, we find ourselves almost saying the same thing or trying not to say the same thing um, just because of the nature of that. How as, as, as what's, what's S. Wayne say? Uh, God talkers? Is that, is that his little, his phrase? Yeah, as, God talkers. As, as, as preachers of God's word, um, how do you handle that when you have one passage that is very similar to the passage from the previous week because it's a continued thought? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's something that could be said probably for the entirety of the Bible in that um, at this point it's nothing new, right? Like we've had it thousands of years, and yet uh, we need to preach it to ourselves every single day for a lifetime. So I think there is, um, you know, there's kind of the saying repetition is the mother of all learning. Well, I think that's true. We don't love repetition. You know, we might think it's mundane or boring, but that's actually how we become an expert in something. That's actually how we become like, um, deeply invested and rooted in something. So I think in Galatians, to your point, it's a short book, but the theme is very clear. There's a lot of clarity. Like it's not just like spaghetti where there's like 50 different themes all over the place. Like it it does hit, it kind of bangs the same drum, but um, that's, that's kind of, you know, the drum that we need to be banging for the rest of our lives. Like we're always, I think in the meritocracy that is American culture, we're always going to be drawn back to the same temptation and the same whisper that you can be like God you can achieve your worth and that through your work, you will gain God's approval. And I don't think that lie is ever going to go away. So with that lie never going away, Galatians can never go away. 
I think I think you see the power of Galatians in history, like the historical moment where Martin Luther leans into the, the Catholic Church that he was raised in and served in and starts pushing back. And Galatians meant a lot to him. In fact, a lot of things that I've heard quoted around Galatians when it comes to like Protestant evangelical theology is Lutheran in character. Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a lot of Martin Luther in it. And I appreciate that, but I, I have felt this, like, just this awareness that to understand its importance for Luther really isn't enough. We have to understand mm-hmm. its importance today. So to your point, like we have to revisit these things and re-understand these questions and these answers that were being given and then do the really hard work of saying, okay, so what does that mean now? What does that mean in American culture that many people listening, you'll be able to read Galatians and you'll be able to say, you know, a legalistic, you know, hyper, uh, hyper something framework isn't the message of grace. I think there are, though, a lot of our listeners now that that wasn't their experience. Mm-hmm. They grew up in settings that didn't talk about the gospel. Mm-hmm. So the idea of a legalistic Christian upbringing maybe was my experience, but not theirs. So, um, you know, f- for everybody listening, the goal is to bring this fresh into 2021 and to and to take a look at today in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2 how um, their processing the questions that they were answering might inform and shape us today. Mm -hmm. And it might be a little underwhelming. Mm -hmm. It might raise more questions for us, but that's probably good. I think that's the nature of a good authority and scripture is a good authority. So um, yeah, I've, I've been all over the map in my feelings on Galatians, Mm -hmm. but that's kind of the conclusion that I've gotten to is like, I need to move further than Luther did. I need to know this in my day. So just to piggyback off that real quick, I think that's so brilliant because theologically, I think often, you know, we can say, yes, I'm saved by grace through faith. But then on the weeks where we're doing better at good works and we're doing better at obedience, emotionally, we think Jesus loves us more that week. Yeah. Yeah. And And so so we've we've got got to wrestle wrestle with that. that. One of the things that I've become very aware of is because of the context that we exist in, um, I, I'm going to borrow. Well, no, I'm not going to borrow a word because I don't want to. I don't want to be insensitive. I'm just aware that I check a lot of boxes for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I was my upbringing, good Christian home, St. Charles County, born and raised. You know, S. C. West, baby. There like, we go. And there's a lot about my story that makes people comfortable and assume yeah. good things about me. Yeah, and it's easy for me to just lean on that. It's really, really, uh, it's the gift of God, it's the Spirit of God that would challenge those good things and say, um, yeah, I get a seat at the table because of Jesus. And I think here what we find is that there's even this this further call to make sure that I'm making seats at the table for others who don't start with such high credit, Mm -hmm. but and then to make sure every seat is recognized for the grace given them. And so... There's this, there's this just really unique dance, I think, in the church right now of us not making our mission about us. It's all about what Jesus did. It's all about the grace that he gives. And we really do have to redefine that because there are, there are too many people who make assumptions that they're too far from the gospel or that they're so close to the gospel that they can't embrace it or don't like it. There are people who have been hurt by the church that do not understand what grace is. And I don't say that as a judgment. I say that as a grief. 
There are people um, who are in the church doing the wounding who don't know what grace is, and we have the privilege, uh, the challenge of yeah. sitting in our day and time and saying, no, 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 the true gospel is here. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think even us, right, we would say, oh, I could define grace. Um, I could theologize grace. And yet, how often do I find myself, right, in my own story, my own journey, my own faith, you know, walk with, with Jesus and with others in the church, uh, not not actually living by that and not even realizing that I'm not living by it um, at the same time. So for our passage today, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, you guys just want to walk through kind of verse by verse? And yeah. if there's at any point Chris is excited about the, yeah, he's like, yes, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, if, if there's, there's at any point, just just stop me. If uh, there's a, a place you guys want to ask questions or talk about, um, I might, I'll, if you guys don't stop me, I'll stop and ask a question or two as well. All right, so this is uh, Paul. He's continuing his uh, defense, right, of the, the gospel that he um, originally preached to the Galatian church. And uh, now he's kind of going to dive in a little bit defending his own apostleship um, as well. And the two really do go hand in hand. So verse one, uh, then after 14 years, I, this is Paul, went up. Oh, oh he's, he's done. Up, okay, he's you're stopping already. Out. Time out. We didn't get super far. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> one of the features of this particular set uh, of passages is it does walk us through Paul's early years. Mm-hmm. And so um, these tie in to the book mm-hmm. of Acts and some of the stories where we see Paul being converted. Yeah. We see him show up. I think this meeting, if, if I've read all the, the side material, the commentaries, well, yeah. this shows up in um, Acts, the end of Acts chapter uh, 11, I believe mm-hmm. it is, verses 27-ish. And he's showing up with Barnabas and Titus coming from Antioch to Jerusalem. This is before a major council that happens in Acts 15 mm-hmm. that has some significant conclusions that we see this particular passage and this letter be raising. Mm-hmm. So um, I just find this really fascinating, the timeline Paul presents. But um, I, I do hold that, you know, with the best knowledge that I have, I think that fits the Acts timeline of Acts chapter 11. The well, and there is some, you know, other commentaries, right? I think you guys were talking about this right before we got on, like have have wondered or have asked that question. Yeah. Like, is this the Jerusalem Council? Like, is this, um, or is this a different occurrence? And uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, scripture helps us understand and interpret other scripture. Just something to put in our... Our tool, tool belt, belt going forward. And that's, that's all we have for there you. There we go. Great episode of Deep Dive. Uh, for this Deep Dive and more, you can find it now. It's uh, good. All right, so I will start that again. Then after 14 years, I, Paul, went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Good Jewish brother. Yes. This is, this is somebody who, going into Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas make a lot of sense that they're about to go talk to the church leaders there. Mm-hmm. Barnabas uh, encouragement, right? Like that's his his name. It's the rumor. Yeah, yeah. the rumor. I think that's mm-hmm. what right? yep. his name uh, means. Encouragement. Uh, taking Titus, so another person um, here, but not of Jewish background. Not of Jewish background. That yes. will be important here yes. um, in a couple of verses. Taking Titus along with me, I went up because of a revelation, and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So so here, verse 2, when Paul says things like, I went somewhere because of a revelation, 
I don't go places often, at least that I realize, <laughs> because of a revelation. Sure. So uh, what's what's yeah. happening here? We hear the word revelation uh, in Christian speak. We think of uh, the last book of the Bible and uh, weird images that we don't understand and yeah. Jesus coming back and words like rapture. I don't think that's what's in scope here. So help me. What's what's he what's he talking about? So there's two types of revelation. There's generic and there's specific. So generic, we would say the creation and the creative order inform us about the one who created them. So this is why Paul argues that um, no one is without excuse, because if you've observed the physical and created world around you, you should know that this is not by accident. But then there's also specific revelation, and, and, and literally the term is to, to pull away, to reveal, to like take away the, push away the curtain, so to speak, so that you can see. And in specific revelation, we see the God-man of Jesus Christ. We see God's breath on the page, which is scripture. But then we also see some giftings that are prophetic in nature that also can be revelation-like. So in Paul's case here, the revelation is a famine's coming to Judea, and it's going to wreck the food sources of the Jews in that area. And so you're going to need to take up an offering, and you're going to need to collect some funds so that food can be provided. And so um, we wouldn't say, it's not just, it's not to say like, oh, if you've never prophesied or you've never had a specific revelation, you're not a believer. Like this is probably more of an exception to the rule than the rule itself. I don't know about you guys, but I've never had like a specific prophetic world or, or like revelation no. myself. And so um, this is why we're really careful because, you know, if if Brad came on the scene tomorrow and said, hey guys, I've got a new New Testament for you. Oh I've got a third testament. Don't stone me. We'd burn him at the stake for being a heretic. <laughs> and so um, we say there is some revelation that is done over bound and tied. And then at the same time, there is some specific specific revelation that can come through prophecy like it came to Paul. And there was like there was a community that was weighing these things. Part of why yeah. I think he would even go to Jerusalem is yes. both to have them tested. Yeah. The Acts 11 portion why I think this fits well there is because it talks about prophets came yeah. to share something that, you know, essentially the Spirit of God had showed them. Yes. And out of that conversation, mm -hmm. community, mission, all mm -hmm. happens, which mm -hmm. we see in this passage. So um, I, I think there's a lot to unpack there, but that's a great explanation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. And, and Acts really does help us understand a lot of the writings of Paul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so verse uh, verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, uh, though he was a Greek. So, some, so, you know, kind of a surprise there. Wasn't expecting this. But what what's going on here? Titus and circumcision. And this seems to be, um, at least for, for me, 21st century American, an odd thing to be uh, arguing about. I mean, if it said vaccine card, you know, Ooh, like maybe, maybe, maybe we wouldn't. Dan.org <laughs> at Calvary.church. I don't have a judgment. I'm just saying <laughs> we, we have our, our things. things. It's just not yeah, circumcision yeah. Yeah. anymore. Um, I'll, I'll chime in at least Amen. briefly. I think the comment here, um, I do think like there's a lot of things to understand that we've been unpacking around Jewish law and the Jewish people and them receiving the person of Christ and the revelation of Christ and accepting that and what do they do next. 
We have to remember that for a Christian or a Jewish person by birth in this day, that circumcision got them a seat at a certain table. It, it gave them access to certain conversations. It gave them credibility. The que- what's at stake here is not Titus' belief in Jesus. That was a that that wasn't the question. Right. Of course, he could believe in in Jesus. Yeah. The question was, could he could he sit at a table with other Christian leaders mm-hmm. who were Jews by birth? And essentially be given the same uh, credit mm-hmm. at that table by virtue of his belief only. Because up to that point, the gospel had come to the Jewish people. The Jewish people had been the ones who started to talk about, even Paul was Jewish, uh, even though his background was outside of Jerusalem. So um, the question here, even Titus, though he was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. He was not forced to um, conform to that standard mm-hmm. to sit at the Christian table. Um, that's about as far as I've got. Well, and in verse four, we're going to see that Paul actually, um, he, he handles this, this almost imposition of, uh, circumcision on Gentile Christians as a form of slavery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically the Judaizers are saying, okay, you have belief in Jesus. That's good. Um, but also you need to. Uh, understand also like the Jewish cultural norms and bind to those. Because guess what? Jesus was a Jew. He comes out of a Jewish tradition. And so it's not enough for you just to believe. You, in addition to believing, will be justified through um, basically an observance of Levitical law norms. And so Titus here, he doesn't have to get circumcised. Um, he can eat shellfish. Like there's a long list of things that he doesn't have to submit to because in Jesus's fulfillment of the law, we now see the good news is not bound to a model which one people is the center spreading the good news. It's now like cats been let out of the bag. Like it's going everywhere mm-hmm. and it's going to travel not just over mountains and across rivers, but through cultural and socioeconomic classes. And so there's going to be freedom to move throughout the cabin on what you eat, what you wear, and whether you're circumcised or not. Yeah. Um, so some commentators, they, they see what Paul says here as a, like, I brought Titus along to prove, to prove this point. Yes. Or as a test case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what's happening here is there is, um, in my mind, I see, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly showdown mm-hmm. with the Western music, the the class. I can't sing, so I won't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> but what the question isn't is whether um, whether the gospel is real. The question is, will the gospel be given authority to up to either uproot or or um, move the seat of the Jewish mm-hmm. law? Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing. Like, it, we have to understand, like, these were not only people's belief systems, these were their entire family systems. Mm-hmm. This is how they understood their identity inside of the Roman Empire. It's so good. And yes. what's happening in this is truly drastic. And it takes a lot of time. Like, remember, again, this is 14 years yeah. after Paul's conversion, or Paul's revelation after three years of his conversion, mm-hmm. and even several years before he winds up at the Jerusalem Council. Like, they're wrestling and, over and these even things. even more years since the resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Appearing to yes. his disciples. So here's the question that I, I kind of feel haunted by today. Um, I love knowing the conclusions that grace triumphs law. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. But have I wrestled with that enough in my own life? Mm-hmm. Like, have I actually, like, taken 
three years plus 14 years plus more time plus the implications of that to let this shape all of my life? Mm -hmm. Has it unseated things that I've considered law? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the place where I would encourage any of our listeners to not feel like you're isolated and on the outs and you need someone to define Christianity for you. No, you're part of the church. Wrestle with this in your life, in your work, in your home. What does it mean to know the grace of God in Jesus? Yeah, I think anytime we take anything cultural or normative or social and we then elevate that to an additional requirement on top of being saved by grace, um, we, we then become the best of Pharisees. And I, I do think also it's fascinating here um, because in other places in the New Testament, like Timothy— was circumcised. Bummer. Sorry. Yeah. Titus always, got off easy. There's yes. always those jokes around this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a touchy. So I, I just want to say, though, that like I think the, the gospel and communicating the gospel and God's mission uh, does require uh, context, requires contextualization, it requires nuance. Um, I don't want to be too hard on the Judaizers on the the Jewish um, Christian converts because at this point, like they don't have Paul's letters, right? They have the Old Testament, like that is their scripture. They have the Holy Spirit, right, working um, in and among them, but they don't have all of the, like they're still fleshing all of this out. Mm -hmm. I think this isn't as deep of an analogy, but um, I think you see, you know, Let's imagine uh, two people that work in the same office and both come to faith because of a friend. And one feels so compelled to um, take up like a whole new kind of career, like join a, maybe it's a a ministry or a mission or something, and they dedicate their life in that way to Christianity. And the other feels so compelled to be an excellent manager in their office and be so present at work because of the same gospel. Mm -hmm. Are we going to look at one and say that they have a greater sense of who Jesus is over the other? I would hope not. Um, I, I bring that up simply because we do see Paul making distinctions, like with Timothy, who's going to serve in a Jewish context, that his circumcision would essentially further his ability to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus. And Titus, who was going to go serve over at Crete, I believe, is that right? He left Titus in Crete. Sounds good to me. I think that's what the letter says. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. And you know what they say about Cretans. Hey, they're all gluttons and liars and drunkards yeah. and cheats and somethings. This is true. Sounds like a fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Um, 80 pie Crete. That's right. <laughs> you know, for Titus going into that setting, it would have raised so many more questions. Like what you did, you became Jewish to tell us about Jesus. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have mm-hmm. a connection there. The person in the office motivated by grace to go do one thing and the person motivated by grace to dive in and, and yeah. settle in. Like what we have to do is not make distinctions among these seats, but keep these seats open and invite, you know, people to the table. So um, you know, if you're part of Calvary Church and you're motivated by the gospel to serve in certain ways, like far be it from us to judge that context, yeah. especially not lightly, and it's certainly not quickly. Um yeah. You know, and, fa- and family of origin matters. Like Timothy comes from a household where his mother was Jewish, his father was Greek, 
father did not want him to be circumcised, but culturally he's Jewish. Like he's being raised um, with like Torah being repeated regularly. Like he's growing up with this culture. And so it's much more natural for him to take part in the circumcision as a missional strategy. But if he went to Paul and said, hey, I think this is going to hurt my conscience, then like Paul probably would have said, okay, you know, just like Titus, like we don't have to do this. But 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 Timothy saw it like, okay, I'm going to um, intentionally do this. So as I'm on mission among other Jewish people in the diaspora, there's literally nothing that's going to be a stumbling block for them mm-hmm. at all. It's almost like, um, you know, if, if you're doing an outreach, if you were uh, leading a ministry that um, was working with people with any kind of like substance abuse yeah. or alcohol abuse and addiction and stuff like that, like you're just not partaking of those things in that crowd, like in the presence, because you don't want to be a stumbling block in that way. So it's a missional strategy over and against a justification doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or a self-justification yeah. doctrine that I don't owe you anything. I get yeah. to do what I want. You know, yeah. Like, that's also not really where the gospel guides us. It guides us to this place of service out of love. Yeah. And, and almost an embrace of the setting we've been called yeah. to. So That's so true with like Christian tattoos, right? Oh my God. Like our, our parents were very legalistic about yeah. like your body is a temple. Don't get a tattoo. Turns out body's temple only ever refers to sexual immorality. That's the conversation for a different day. Different, you know? so, different deep dive. So then young Christians are now like, oh, yeah, I'll show them. I'm going to get all sorts of tattoos, right? Like that's culturally where we shifted. So anyway, um, yeah. I, I think. We really have to be careful of trying to prove that we're real or yeah. prove that we're authentic. I'm authentic now. I have a now tattoo know. in Greek. You know because of my tattoo. <laughs> like, uh, maybe. I don't know. All right, so we got about six verses and about three and a half minutes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I'm going to read, yes, I'm going to read uh, just four through ten, and then we'll have a couple just concluding remarks um, yeah. as well. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who works through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised works also through uh, me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave their right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and to me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So, uh, yeah, we got about a minute and a half. Any just concluding uh, thoughts, any questions that we need to uh, resolve before the end of this conversation? Just one nugget, like, don't be afraid to just run in your lane right? Like Paul has a really good understanding. I'm called to the Gentiles. Peter has a very good understanding. I'm called to stay here in Jerusalem. And they're not envying each other's callings. They're not bashing each other because their mission looks a little bit different in the contextualization. They're running in their lane and the church flourishes because of it. Yes. Hashtag 
No circumcision? Catholicity. <laughs> Hashtag. Oh, pops up so much. <laughs> it, does. it does. It does. Well, in this book. Thank right. you for joining us for uh, Well, they had public bathhouses in the Roman world. Mm. So this wasn't a hidden thing. Everyone knew. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to leave you with that nugget. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so so much good happening in this passage. Um, again, the uh, importance of community, the importance of relationship, um, even to the point that Paul did not want to be divided. He wanted to make sure that the gospel, and this is why it's relevant to the Galatians, that they would know that the gospel he preaches is the same gospel uh, that Peter preached to the point that what Paul is saying is he didn't have to go to Peter and James and John, but he did, and he wants it to be clear that the gospel is the same. Well, thank you guys uh, for this conversation today. I'm really just excited to continue journeying through this uh, series. I love these deep dive conversations. We have other resources on our website, calvary.church slash Galatians, uh, devos um, for each week. Those are released on social media on Fridays, but you can also find them on our website as well. Uh, Some book and commentary recommendations and the scripture journals that we've been using uh, as well. And we look forward to continuing our conversation next week. See you guys. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.